0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte.
2: This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and this is another episode of Totally 80s. If this is your first time joining us, why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook or Instagram and email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com. You can also check us out on video as well. So go to our Totally 80s YouTube channel and check that out if you're so inclined. And joining me today. As always, is my partner in all things '80s the other John Hughes? Hi, Lindsay. Do you know what I want? What, what you want? Do you know what I, I got? got. <laughs> what I want, you can give me.
0: I don't know, but we'll find out today, right?
2: We will. I don't know what I want. I don't. And. I think people might be able to sort of figure out what's going on. So, John, you and I are big fans of the original Monkees, right? I'm wearing my Monkees t-shirt. You've worked with them on their most recent record, Good Times, as well as the Christmas record, So it was 35 years ago, 1986, when the Monkees had their comeback, well, their first comeback anyway. They've had, you could argue, they've had several comebacks. That was when MTV played the marathon of all their episodes. And then that, you know, it it exploded maybe in a way that MTV didn't expect it, maybe in the way that the original Monkees didn't expect but they took full advantage. You know, there was a re reunion album. There was a huge tour. I'm wearing my reunion tour from the show they did at the Greek theater that year. And monkey mania was at such an all time high that that led to the search for the new monkeys. That was what they wanted in 1986. And by 1987, the album came out. I'm holding it up now. It actually kind of looks like a zoom. Actually, it's the four <laughs> squares of their faces. So with, so I'm really actually happy to sort of replicate this artwork by bringing them onto little squares, onto this. Please welcome the new monkeys, Dino Covis, Jared Chandler, Marty Ross, and Larry Saltis. I don't know if you're in the right order. That works. Hey, guys. Sure. All right. <laughs> hey. I'm I'm trying on Zoom to replicate your album cover. This is my original. I'm holding up for people who are just listening to the audio. The original album, I bought it with my own money. You could see proof. There's a there's a price tag I left. But let's go back to the year 1986. As I was saying, Monkey Mania was was you know at fever pitch. There was the old monkeys were new again. So then there was this idea to create a new new monkeys, a monkeys for the young kids, a monkeys for Generation X a talent search was across the nation and it led to the four of you. And it's amazing because all these years later, even though the new monkeys only released this one album and you know, the, the, there was only one season of the show, it has become this cult phenomenon. You're still all friends. You still reunite regularly in real life as well as on uh, virtually here. And there's a real fan base for it that I think has grown over the years. So let's go back to the beginning about what made y'all want to audition for a show like this. Hey, how
3: about if the the, the two most, most enthusiastic go first? <laughs> Can I guess who? That would be John and Lindsay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we are I'm gonna guess. Uh, should I just like ask Dino? You go. There you
1: go. Thanks. I'm gonna do
2: it I'm gonna do it <laughs> clockwise in the order. So um, we're gonna start with Dino and then go around.
1: <laughs> oh right! On uh, what what was the question? Because I, I like to hear was new new monkeys, and I was like, wait a minute, they had new new monkeys already. <laughs> how did you get um, involved? How, how did you find out about the audition? <laughs> uh, my friend uh, heard it on MTV. Of course, uh, we didn't have cable at the time, so
2: the reason why I'm asking is because there are some people that probably thought this was a good idea. There are probably some people that thought it wasn't a good idea because it's hard to make like light, lightning start strike twice. But that was the idea, that this was Lindsay, going to be. Mm-hmm.
4: There was a guy that thought it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: there, there was a lot of Just people. It's that me thought,
2: and John. Who else? The Who four else? of us, we
4: didn't know because they kept it as a bubble. said, no, nah, everybody loves it. It's great. You guys are going to do fine. You're going to do
1: fine. You're with okay. Columbia Pictures. You're on Warner Brothers yeah. Records. You got them
2: making new Coca-Cola. What could go wrong with that? I actually yeah, I liked know. the new Coke, to be honest. I thought the new it Coke did. was was kind of tasty, but well, so they were also
3: saying at one point that, you know, they were introducing us as the new monkeys, but we were gonna have it, you know, then pick a band name. Mm. And remember the haircuts and all that kind of silly stuff? Yeah, the
2: haircuts.
3: Yeah, and then it just never happened.
2: Well, that's actually a good point in that there are... I've talked about this before. You know, we've seen the Jonas Brothers show. We've seen shows like Big Time Rush, whatever, in more recent years. History has been kinder to the New Monkeys as we get distance from it. And there are fans that are still very excited about this. And we're going to get into all that. But at the time, it wasn't that well-received. And do you think that if they had just said... From the creator of the monkeys, here's a new band and show that goes by this name, the Haircuts. Let's say I like that. I like that. How, like old, that. Were you? how old were nah. you, Lindsay? Why how weren't you phoning I, in and saying that? I I was uh, mm-hmm years old.
4: You should have hmm. phoned in and suggested that. That's a
3: you're yeah, that's, the Creators. That's a pretty. That would have been a, a, a. I think a much better way of of approaching the project. Can, can, uh, that, can I actually?
1: Know, can I be serious and actually give you my theory on why I honestly think uh, it didn't uh, it didn't fly at the time? Can I, okay. may I tell you? if you think about it, when when the monkeys were, you know, they they had the resurgence again on MTV, they got all these new like fourteen year old fans, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have these fourteen year old fans, fifteen year old, whatever, that have found this new, you know, in their eyes, they found a new band that, you know, they loved and blah, 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 right? Well, now all of a sudden, these fans hear that there's gonna be like a, a, a new version of this band that they just discovered, right? Whereas mm. if they would have waited, right? Let's say the, the Monkees had the resurgence, right? And then they kind of waited two, three years, right? By that time, sure, those those, fans would still hate us regardless but at least it could have been a little bit more newer <laughs> because, I the same. you know what i mean because at that point all these like you know they they've just created a new fan base and, and here we were coming in going hey new fan base check us out yeah. and blah 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 anyways that's that's why i think i think you're on to something in the sense that if, if they would have waited a little bit longer so that, you know, that fervor would die out a little bit, maybe we would have been, you know, accepted. But um, so I think I think they were wrong, actually, to, <laughs> to, to actually, you know, create new monkeys at the time they did. They thought it was going to be a good idea. You had the new
5: Gidget. I mean, there, it was kind of the like the new
2: monsters.
5: Mon- yeah, a and, and new Coke, just like you mentioned, Lindsay.
2: Well, it was a very, very '80s concept for that reason. A lot of new shows were old uh, shows were being revisited and stuff. But it could have been even more '80s because am I? Is it true that Boogaloo Shrimp from Electric Boogaloo from Breakin' and Breakin' Two was supposed to be a new monkey? Is that yeah. true? it ain't, ain't, ain't gonna
0: happen. Ain't, ain't gonna
5: happen. <laughs> yeah, he was
0: there. He was there. Please say it's true, even, true. even if it's not. Please say it's yeah. true. Can, <laughs> true
1: can, I, can, I, can I tell you a uh, a. Uh, uh, a, an intimate story about Boogaloo Shrimp, please, and and myself. So yeah. I because I remember Marty at those auditions. I don't remember Larry. I remember why not? I, I remember. <laughs> I, I no. I remember the. I remember you guys, but Boogaloo Shrimp. I remember we were. Remember when they were taking us, and they were, they were doing like pairs, and then. Mm-hmm. Three at a time and stuff like that.
2: And Jason so, Nesmith apparently auditioned as well. Mike He wasn't Nesmith, with us though.
1: Okay. He wasn't yeah. he, he wasn't okay. with us.
2: Okay. He's actually <laughs> a
1: Nesmith, so he wasn't allowed. Yeah.
4: The, it, he, he was a Nesmith, so you know. Yeah, yes. yeah no, we're talking but about that'd be the too intimidating. The
2: Actual final final oh, screen okay. test. We'll go on right. then with yeah. the intimate story. I'm all ears. Right. Well, at
1: this at this point there were uh, there were nine of us. <clears throat> and um and I remember Boogaloo was Boogaloo was right next to me, and we were watching, you know, people doing their audition on the stage, on the Gidget stage, and all of a sudden, somebody walks, somebody walks behind me and like taps me on the shoulder, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And and I look up, and it was it was this guy, who was tall, and he had a pipe, right. And then he tapped me on the shoulder and he walked away. And all of a sudden Boogaloo goes crazy and he goes, dude, you're in, you're in. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like I have no idea what's going on. And uh, he was like, that guy, he's the man. And I'm like, how does this, guy, who, how do you know? And he goes, you're, you're in, you're in. He was the first guy who told me that I was in and that person was Steve Blauner who mm. tapped me on the shoulder. Blowner's list. Blowner's list. And, Bla- list. and uh, so, yeah. To me, and then later, I found out that Boogaloo actually worked with Bob Rafelson, uh, because Bob Rafelson directed the Lionel Richie. Um,
2: All night long. All night long. Was, Bob Rafelson directed I, All Night Long. This yeah. is a bad night. I'm sad. Night, I did
1: not. All Night
0: Long was directed. Was produced by Bob Rafelson and directed by. Michael Nesmith. Nesmith, yes. Whoa! No nice. way. That's I wild. had no yes.
2: idea. Wow, that and is a, I'm going to win the next trivia pub quiz now. Thank you guys. <laughs> that is a fun fact.
1: And that's how, that's how I think Boogaloo kind of made his, you know, mm. made his way into the auditions. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's get past the audition process. Although I do think that if someone wants to dig into it, there are some really like fun things on YouTube, like MTV news going there. What is, Oh, you actually, for those those of you who are not watching this on video, who are actually listening on audio, Marty has something that I need which is a visor, a branded visor that says, I survived the new monkeys audition. You certainly did survive and thrive, but why, how did you get that? And why do you have, you know, actually do you have any stories of surviving it, Marty?
4: Oh, I didn't mean to jump in with a prop. But, I uh... always, I like
2: a good prop comic. That's fine. So I yeah. actually mentioned that, you know, this, this show did have a short run and, you know, 13 episodes out of the 20. Did Are there nine episodes that we haven't seen? that are in the can?
4: This no. is one right now.
2: Okay, this, <laughs> is, this is episode 23. But did you only shoot 13 or is there stuff that we haven't seen that's in the can? Well, we,
1: only, we, we, we only shot 12. Oh. And, uh, and then the 13th one, they they decided to do some voiceover trickery. Yeah, they
3: like, cut a bunch of clips from other episodes and just threw something together a um, clip
2: show, as they call in the biz. It was a clip show. Yeah, yeah. a clip
0: show for a half-season uh,
5: show. I think, uh, I think there's
3: we, a couple of shorts that we did that never made it to air.
5: Because
3: mm. we did. When we,
4: right.
5: There's a lot, lot of those, stuff
3: like that, Jared. There's a lot, there's of, a lot of stuff where we zones. did. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well,
2: Actually, that's a really good point, because I know, for instance, Dino, you, you know, had um, you were on Backport's video as a, a VJ back home before you were on the show. And there's a lot of comedy bits. Maybe you could say that in The New Monkeys, maybe script wise, it was lacking or whatever. Maybe you could say that, you know, oh, yeah. some of the ideas didn't gel as, you know, 30 minute sitcom episodes. But there were a lot of like sketches and kind of like yeah. jokey segments that I think in some ways kind of predated YouTube stuff that's happening now and viral videos. And some of it was kind of sort of uh, (laughs) stuff that would later happen on basic cable, like cable access shows that kind of like, you know, kamikaze, uh, you know, scrappy comedy. Can you talk a little bit about some of the comedy on the show actually did work and actually was a little bit ahead of its time. We really (laughs)
3: lowered the bar, you're you're correct. Well, I'm saying
4: (laughs) what what our market was, what we didn't really, really speak about because it wasn't really proper is that our market was 14 year olds that discovered pot. (laughs)
2: That's a good market, man. Especially if you're like those the ads or fast food and
1: stuff. (laughs) Right. I think we would have gotten better now, right? Oh, it's a kind of now.
0: When
4: when we were shooting the show, it our thirteen or twelve episodes I know that by the end of the time that we had done those, we felt like we had done 21 or 22 episodes because of all the shoots that we had we had, you know no matter what even the little bits those little bits take up five six seven hours just to do And we had tons of stuff we were yeah. working our asses off all the time for bits it was actually much harder the way that we shot the show a one camera set up with lots of different bits i went out to a lake one day i went out to uh, a railroad yard one day I went out to all these different places as they did all their different things and those weren't even part of the collective show bit yeah you know, a lot of times a, it, was we it was a difficult difficult. it was a difficult shoot to do we all got sick while we were shooting the show so there were episodes where we weren't appearing one of us or more than one of us and we had to get some extras or put masks on so that we could complete shots because uh, we were all <laughs> basically sick and I remember Jared was famously quoted as saying that the doctor it's had not seen that kind of uh what was it, Jared? Ter- had not seen his kind of senses since, <laughs> since he worked in since he worked in Korea War or <laughs> Vietnam or something. Oh, so man. it was it was, it,
5: it was difficult. It was from inside. That, it was difficult. And I remember telling him that I've never seen a doctor wear leather pants before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, always, was, yeah. He,
3: was, he was he was wearing leather pants. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's,
5: yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it was doctor feel good.
3: And that whole time we were we were making the album as well. Right. Well, let's. So we well, were pretty much burning the candle at both ends. I mean, I spent several weekends making short films.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So it was like never had a day off. There was one point where I, I think I worked for like six weeks straight because I never had a day off. Oh, you they put like- Jared in on some horrible stuff where they
4: made, I, I think more than anybody else, they made Jared do. Do stop motion.
3: Video. Yeah, I did that stop motion on the surfboard all over Los Angeles. We did, we did every stop weekend motion as a band. for a month, and I mean did, it was yeah. oh my god! I just wanted to shoot myself.
2: So, you know, I'm I'm taking a positive spin on this, but of course, at the time, you know, there as you say, there were maybe some people who thought this wasn't the greatest idea. It ended up, you know, not being, you know, well, definitely not being as successful as the original monkeys. It only lasted a few episodes or whatever, but. Was there a time when you were in the thick of it where you started to think it wasn't a good idea or when you were in the middle of all this whirlwind of making the, I think like 33 music videos you did, all these episodes, all these little shorts and romps and making the album at the same time, were you too close to it to realize that it was kind of like, you know, sort of a doomed project at the time or how were you feeling? Were you optimistic this was going to be a lightning strike twice kind of moment?
3: I felt uh, midway through shooting the season that it wasn't going to work out. I just thought the writing was... Why
4: didn't you tell me?
3: (laughs) I think I did. I just felt like the writing was just not there. We had some opportunities to bring on some really good writers, and and we didn't keep them. Like, uh, you know, All My Martys, that's a great episode. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, everything else was just so out of structure, that you never got a chance to, kind of get to know us, and um, build that empathy that people have with with characters that they want to watch every week. I think we right. just we flew right past that that love that stage of love um, that you build I, with an audience.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think I think it was it was harder. Here, you know, I think I it felt was harder like, on Larry. Yeah, I think it was I think the shit was all harder than Larry on any of
3: it. It was <laughs> it's a, all Larry's fault. No, um, it's
4: not his fault. It's man. just that he was the one that was like, uh, he was the, the he was the one that was the spotlight of the show. I mean, he's the guy that the girls were looking for. You know, he yeah. was the one. And yeah, yeah. you know, when it started turning sour, it really the it just so weird that a lot of real a holes used to would blame Larry on it more than anybody. Really? else. it's not Larry. working because it's Larry. I, I
1: well, blamed I blamed Larry. I blamed him all the time. It's like, <laughs> Why aren't you better
2: looking, dude? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey. that wasn't the problem, obviously. But Larry, what, tell me a little bit about that. Is that how you felt at the time? Like uh, that you were bearing the brunt of it?
5: Actually, quite honestly, uh, the other guys were much smarter than I was. I wasn't looking too deeply in anything. I think it was like a, this wild ride. And I was following orders and doing what I should be doing. But at the same time, um, sort of like art imitated life. So whatever the show was doing, um and whatever whatever it wasn't you know filling a hole in my heart on i found in the other guys to be quite honest mm. i think that's why we we have this life this friendship we have together as i call it a fellowship we just we get together and we talk about the new monkeys we don't ever get negative about it mm-hmm. uh, We actually talk about the fun of it and the positive mm-hmm. of it because yeah. whatever we were going through we were going through we may have all felt that it wasn't going to work out uh, but we also felt that this will will never happen again so yeah. you have that, that scale
2: when i initially uh, about four years ago or so into when the anniversary of the new monkeys came up and i interviewed you guys for that anniversary i remember being very surprised to find out that you guys were all friends given the fact that it had happened a while ago and that this was a small moment in time this was just like a, a you know a pop culture you know one season kind of thing, I kind of assumed you weren't in touch. I also kind of assumed maybe you'd not have bad blood against each other, but have a lot of negativity towards the show. And it was so wonderful when, you know, I found out initially through Dino and then through the rest of you that not only did you, for the most part, have pretty fond memories of the show and no bitterness about it, but that you all were still friends and still hung out, still occasionally performed together. I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised about that. Do you think it was the bond of the fact that there were a lot of people that were against the show? the fan there was a a core group of monkeys fans that were pretty animatedly against it. And yeah, they did, did that bond you even more?
4: Well, you got to remember this is if you go back to our show was created by the people that created the monkeys and are the way that our show and the four of us were selected and the way that we were trained to do the show was exactly the same as they were. they knew that we were personality wise, we fit like a puzzle. We would be like this is like the most expensive dating game ever done, because <laughs> because this is literally we are four guys that get along with each other because one brings another that another doesn't bring that this and that we complete each other as a puzzle. So when we all see each other, it's like my wife said, God, when you guys are all in the same room, there's this electricity. It's like there's this this thing that we have the four of us.
3: It's because we were trained. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> monkey <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we spent a year together, uh, just over a year, if you think about it, because we were selected. And we lived with each other, really did. I mean, we were selected, <laughs> and was, and it was almost nine months before we ever went on the air. And yeah. during that time, we, you know, we uh, did, we recorded demo songs, we wrote music, we we were in uh, acting classes for five days a week for months wow. at a time with bill hudnut and um and ed greenberg um our, our comedy coaches we spent a shit ton of time together marty and i lived together dino and larry lived together so you know it was that's a, a just a solid year of you know of of shared experience so wow. that ha- that's a big part of it
4: And so what happened when we got, when the show started diving and all that stuff, we, we had, it was a terrible time, but it was a disappointing time. But when all the rubble cleared, when the rubble cleared, we found that we, you know, said, you know, well, it wasn't us. It wasn't Mm. our thing. We were, we were part of a machine that was the figurehead of a show, but we didn't really control it. We were doing what we were supposed to do. we were hired to do a show and it didn't work but you know just because thousands wrote hate mail and you know literally I mean literally the hate mail was hidden from us and because we it was just so ubiquitous the hate mail was a piles and piles and it was like, yeah, I got my eight letters this week. I gee they're, I got 12 last week. I don't know if they like me or not. And it's like, well, you know, yeah. you look in one, you look in one place, and you find that there's thousands of, of to the hate to the, you know, and that was that was something that we stuck together with. We said, well, screw them,
3: we're doing our show, and what the hell, you know. Well, well we were on a publicity tour. Remember, when we were driving. We were driving from New York down to, to Philly. Philly or something. I forget the geography of it, but there were death threats on us if we entered New Jersey. That's right, yeah, so we rolled all the windows <laughs> down in the limousine when we, when we pulled into New Jersey just to give them a clean shot. we were like yeah. hey, what the fuck
0: that's well, usually the opposite. Yeah, I'm not, wasn't yeah. a
3: 13-year-old girl with a sniper rifle, but oh you know, my gosh. Just well, it's just the idea not, that was ludicrous. It's, it's not often that you get
4: somebody that requests a bulletproof limousine for TV show characters. Wow. <laughs>
2: well, before we get into a little bit more about that backlash and the sort of turnaround in the year since, since you were talking about how like Larry you know, supposedly bore more of the brunt as the heartthrob of the group. And also Marty, you were talking about this casting where you all were pieces of a puzzle. Boy bands or bands like this are sort of cast that way. There's like the funny one, the cute one, the bad boy, the whatever. What were each of your archetypes? And also where was, the, do you know, you probably didn't get only hate mail. You got some fan letters too. Was there like, who was the popular one? Who was like, you know, the the, you know, the John Taylor of the group or whatever. Okay, so no, so that but wh- Mary,
1: obviously.
2: Okay, but no. what were all the ro- What were all the archetypes within the new monkeys' uh, hey, hierarchy? Hey Marty,
4: would you come help and read my mail?
2: <laughs> well,
3: I mean, I think I think I was definitely the, the bad boy, just okay. on pure looks alone, and and I think uh, I was the but, heartthrob. And I, I didn't really, pardon the language. I didn't I didn't really give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I didn't go to the open audition. I didn't seek it out. They, the producers, Matt and Vic, saw me in an in a improv class and told me they wanted me to screen test for it. And mm. they said, you know, it's the new monkeys, blah, blah, blah. And I said, wow, that's a horrible fucking idea. <laughs> so it just made them want me more. <laughs> but then I, on the surface, I looked at it. And the day of the, of the uh, auditions to go backwards, I realized it was a great opportunity and it was going to be a lot of fun and we were gonna do an album and have a TV show and how often does a 19 year old guy get that? So mm-hmm. I jumped full bore in, but I think I was definitely probably the, you know, the 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 bad guy, the guy, you know, the, the guy you didn't want your sister dating. That's, I think that was my archetype.
2: And so then the, <laughs> I guess we've all decided already by that Larry was the cute one. There's usually a no, funny no, one.
4: No, 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 that didn't work out at all. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Whatever, what were the, what were, what, who, I guess, well, it's kind of a contest for the funny one between Marty and Dino. I guess there could be two funny ones. Well,
1: here's the thing. Here's Truly. the thing. Marty is and was really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And are we and supposed to say, fuck, how many times do you get on this? The three
2: times an hour? Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> <again>. okay. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite all right. It's the internet. But
1: I honestly think that they missed. Uh, a great opportunity because i was you know looking at marty now marty was hilarious when the cameras weren't running so <laughs> well because marty wasn't you know he wasn't like uh he wasn't he wasn't an actor in terms of like okay be funny you know so it was like i sort of blame either like directors or producers not knowing how to like capture that he mm-hmm. You know, because I don't like I. I hit it off with Marty because we. It was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, I so, concur. I concur. I think right? that's very true. But, that but for be said some about reason, it. when the camera started rolling, it was like it wasn't the funny Marty. And there's some short films that that's captured, like funny Marty's captured. But you know the the episodic part. You know what I? I yeah, the episodic <laughs> part was always. You know, and always left something desired.
2: That kilt was iconic though. The kilt moment, it's a oh, fashion yeah, yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the kilt come from? And was that your own kilt or was that a stylist um, you know, provided kilt?
4: Larry, you want to answer that? No, <laughs> <laughs> what was under the kilt? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh that kilt came about because I have Scottish heritage and they had a little questionnaire that they asked. That was the kind of the silly things that was uh that you had for, uh, for for the promo kits. And it just said, what's your favorite thing to wear? And I just, I said, a kilt. Yeah. And about three days later, they had one made for me. And I was like, really? He says, yeah, this is going to be your outfit. And I went, OK. So it was that simple. <laughs> and you killed you me. love your legs. <laughs> you <had great> legs. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got great legs, and it was really nice. I didn't want to do the Mar- – I, I did suggest for funniness that maybe we should redo the Marilyn Monroe dress flip with the kilt thing, but they they thought no. maybe that was a little too
5: much, you know. See,
4: again, again
5: they, it, it was nope. a lost opportunity. That would have been freaking hilarious. Well, you know? back to the archetype question. Would you say that we thought at the time people were always trying to say, who's who's Mike – who's yeah. you know p oh, yeah,
2: yeah comparisons yeah 100% yeah. and i i think i did that too i think i said that larry you were the the davy yeah do you know that you do you know that you were um the mickey because you were funny and you were the drummer yes um and who did i think marty and and jared were i guess i was ringo I I would have said you probably were uh, Mike Nesmith because you were the quietest one. And then, like, the you know, I guess, Marty, you're not quite a Peter Tork, but by (laughs) default, I guess you got to be the Peter Tork. It was. But, yeah, there was that sort of maybe that was just the assumption because of the name new monkeys that you each were supposed to be the new version of that, which probably was the problem, because my understanding is that the um, uh, the real monkeys or the original monkeys, um, they were not so on board with this this oh, whole idea.
0: Ho, ho, ho. No, they're not. <laughs> is
2: that, is that, yeah, fair so that fair
3: to say? I mean, yeah. we've since done with those guys, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, and, I want to talk you, about that.
3: You were there when we, I believe you were there when we played with Mickey, weren't you?
2: Yes. Okay, so, yes. well, yeah. the first time, okay, so you guys, this was a moment in history. I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that I know that the original Monkees uh, were not on board with this reboot in the first place. I know that Mickey Dolan's turned down an opportunity to be a part of the pilot. And there was some kind of animosity largely based on miscommunication or misunderstandings. And you guys could speak to that. But there was a magical day in August of 2018, I believe. Maybe it was 2019, where Mickey, who does um, karaoke events for charity, where you can sing with Mickey Dolan. And we, you and Marty, Dino, myself, my sister and I got on stage. And sang happy birthday to my sister because it was her birthday. And also my sister and I got to sing Tony Basil's Hey Mickey to Mickey. So that was yeah. awesome. But if Lights I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> if that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was like the first time that any new monkeys and, and original monkeys shared a stage together. That was obviously not an official debut of the hybrid. But you guys have since then performed together multiple times i believe there's been all the branches extended and i think ironically this all sort of started with a woman named jody bringing you all together who was like the most anti new monkeys person back in the day and then now has become like the biggest new monkeys and old monkeys ambassador can you tell me all about
4: that's how that
2: happened well there's been a lot
4: of times i've i've played on stage with mickey uh you know in chicago i i played a whole set with him as uh, i've played uh uh, I've played. I, he's gone off stage and given me the band so that I can sing a song. I mean, it's it's gone a long way. But uh, you've opened for
0: him. You've opened for me. I opened candy. for
4: him. And, but but more importantly, I'm on I'm on stage with his band and singing with him. The best part of the you know the the whole evening was the fact that this was just like all of a sudden it was no big deal. It was just happening. It just happened. It was just like nothing ever happened. It was like... Then after that that door was open so that Jody actually brought Mickey down to our reunion and came and just sat up on on stage and we did monkey songs and we did a Beatles song. And it was like, it was like no big thing. Although my hands were shaking pretty badly. I was like, I couldn't play very well. It was like... I was just too nervous because I didn't want to fuck it up. I, there I did it. Oh, I, I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> so in any case, in any case, that's that's been just such. Now it's like, uh, now it's like it's just it's a it's a it's a great thing. I talked with Nez backstage at the, the Grammy show, and and uh, there's other stuff with Nesmith, uh, other Nesmiths things that are going on that I can't pr- announce right now. But there's it's just really a. Uh, it's really great for me since I'm playing people. this was the thing and I automatically knew why Mickey couldn't and the other guys in the original band couldn't possibly stand the name The New Monkeys. The New Monkeys was the worst name, not only for us, but it was even for them, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Because have you heard the New Monkeys album? Yep. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, heard yeah it's called new, it's called Pull It.
4: <laughs> have you heard the New Monkeys? Have you heard this? But you know this is my new monkeys guitar. Lindsay, you're funny. I just it got conf- this recently, so this is my new monkey's guitar. It it really how do how do they going to promote stuff? You know, yeah, I mean, it's going to like, confuse the that.
2: marketplace.
4: Oh, absolutely. So you know, I've now that I'm I'm fine with everything and everything's okay, and it's like
0: it's all right. Well, you know, cons- I I do want to talk about the album because yeah,
2: I well, I wanted to talk about that too, John. But just to put a bow on that conversation, have you um you and the and Nesmith and Dolan, have you. Given that there was a lot of, you know, they were opposed to the idea of the new monkeys at the time. There was some bad blood. There was bad blood among their bad blood among their fan base. It's obviously you've cleared the air and put that to bed. But have you guys ever had a real conversation about that? About, how you know, uh, where either side has it. sort of been like, tell me about that.
4: I did. I, I did, and so has uh, Dino. Dino had a conversation in Detroit about that. And so, you know, at and. Uh, Or in Flint, wherever you go, the water's bad anywhere. But uh, I remember Mickey's just saying, you know, the name. It's just the name. It was just the name. Now, and and unfortunately, for a long while, it was the people, the actors, you know. But now it's not the actors, but it's still. Not something that they're very, you know, I, that I this not something. I, he introduced me as one of the new monkeys in Chicago, and I didn't know where that was going. He's been on stage. He's done lots of film and TV music. He's been in this band. He's done this, and he's been in the new, and he was one of the new monkeys. And about five or six people in the audience went, Woo! and I went,
2: but no one <laughs> booed or anything, or threw tomatoes, or rioted. No. It was like all love, right? Absolutely, well,
4: that's good. the fans were. Inc- I mean, I think it's gotten to the point where, at least, they're civil. the ones that don't like us or whatever, that's fine. I understand mm-hmm. that completely. But you know, we're just we're we we're still the new monkeys, and or new monkeys. And if we want to go out and play every once in a while and do it as that, that's 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 fine. But you know, just you know the fans can come out and enjoy that as much as they want i'm not asking for the original fans to like it it's just you don't have to be nasty about it it would be such a nice facebook well, world you know yeah, where well, facebook is
2: don't don't expect much from facebook but i do think the tides have turned and as john said we do obviously want to talk about the record which i have okay. an original copy of i'm holding it here the the self-titled new monkeys album So, I mean, we sort of established that there were things that went wrong with the concept or that, you know, the scripts, the show wasn't as good as it could have been. But I do think this record holds up, you know, put it, listen to it aside from the show, aside from the context or the baggage of whatever people or the band name or whatever. And just listen to it and think this was a band called The Haircuts that put a record out in 1987, like a good power pop record. How do you guys feel about the music? Because I think the music standing apart from all the rest Pretty much holds up.
3: Yeah. I think it's a great capsule into the nineteen eighties basically. Cause uh, and it's cross genre genre in a way, I think. I
0: think it I'm holds always up been curious about how much input you guys had into the recording because you've got some you know, Marty's got the wigs, is awesome power pop background. You guys have some bona fides and there's some credits, writing credits on the record from you guys. Just how much did you guys have? influence on the recording
5: i don't know if we were supposed to have much influence on the recording in the beginning i think it evolved into more of a dynamic where we were more involved later on not to a a, you know a a big deal but i i think when we started recording the record we had we didn't even have an identity yet Mm -hmm. I i don't they were trying to figure it out as we flew into this thing um thankfully i think there were what would you guys agree good songwriters good producers uh, they had an idea and a vision, but I really don't think they, they knew what they were doing. They were going to throw something up against the wall, see if it stuck, and and that's what you got. You, you ended up with a really good record um, that, yeah, I, I believe what Jared said, too. It's a time capsule in the 80s for sure, uh, but it's standing the test of time because a lot of the songs are so well-written they could probably be redone by many artists if they had the chance. Uh, it's, it's just... Um, I, the, I think the music became more important than the show. This show, where we were telling you about, where the show lacked, mm-hmm. the record didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. And no, and
5: point. and I, so that's why I think new monkeys fans latch on to the new monkeys for for the music. You know, w- when we go and perform together, they want to hear the songs. I don't know if they, they care if I talk at all. They they really want to just hear the music. Um, so that's the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, remember,
3: I think you know to. to, to, to it'd be a, a disservice uh, to not say that Marty and Larry really provided a lot of musical leadership. Um, because, you know, I think we got that we got to the album because of all the time we spent recording and writing a bunch of the demos that the record company didn't want to use. Yeah. But I think that we did kind of find our, our harmony in that process. At Sir, because mm. I still have some of those recordings, and sort of like our voices, you know, and our and our and our the way we sing together is in those demos, and that's what carries over to the album, and and really musically, Marty and Larry were the driving force, and when we did get involved, really creatively with the the album process where we had a voice, it was because of those two guys pushing it through and having the musical chops um, to communicate that. So yeah, I, I I really felt like I was along for the ride with those guys, you know, kind of pushing for us. So yeah, I, um, think that, yeah. uh,
4: I think that I think that what's interesting, I just thought of this and this this is very interesting is that when we played as a band, and uh, we sounded much more like the original monkeys did sounding like they sounded as a like garage band we were like mm-hmm. no, we sounded, we sounded yeah. and the record company wanted us to be a slick band and a recorded band and that's what they thought we should be because it was a tv show about a band mm-hmm. yeah and i remember a long time i remember thinking well you know roberta peterson of, at who was a uh, an anr person who's passed away uh since then uh, R I uh uh RIP Roberta but she told me she, when she first got the rushes of the first two episodes she looked at, she called me up and she said damn it I'm going what she said we we really tried on this album we really wanted you guys to re- I mean this is what we really tried and you can kind of see the effort put into the album versus the show and mm-hmm. you don't see you don't see inequality there
0: That was what I wanted to ask you guys, because it really did seem like Warner Brothers was behind this record. It wasn't just like, oh, we got to do this. We made a deal with Columbia, whatever. It seemed like they they really tried, and you guys actually got some radio ads and airplay for that. John, they
4: they forecasted 3 million sales. Wow. I I think we did 60,000 or something, sixty-five, seventy thousand, 70,000, something like that. Maybe it was – well, listen, I think they By today's standards, that's a success. Wow. <laughs> I think so that would be great. Of, they, they pressed three hundred thousand. They pressed a lot of them. That's mm-hmm. why you can see a lot of them as, as promotional I had a, records. I had a cutout. Yeah. So I yeah, had a lot. I, 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 they, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. They're. They, you know, they, it's hard to find the. Here's one of the few <laughs> records that is more valuable as the actual
1: not punched <laughs> out one. <laughs> what you just said, Roberta, said to you is yeah. is key. Because it seems like after, and and that's what I always thought. I always thought Columbia was waiting for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is waiting for Columbia. As soon as Warner Brothers saw that, you know, the show wasn't what it's was supposed to be, I don't think they cared. I don't, yeah. you know, and plus they had George Harrison. Um, oh, no, that's, a, can I go on a sidebar with
4: that story? That's just hilarious. I go yeah. on side. sidebar. I was... I was asked to go and do some demos for the album and some of my own material. And so I, I go in with uh, with this guy named Chopin, who was a nice guy, and he did my demos. And we did three or four songs. And I said, I don't want them to be finished because they're just demos. I, I don't have enough time to record them. It's four or five, maybe three, four or five songs. And I had the cassette. And Roberta called me bothering you all the time. Do you have the songs? I need to get these songs in. So and I went, well, I only have just really, really rough stuff. It's not really presentable. Just bring it in. I'm an NR and person. I know what I'm talking about. So I go into Warner Brothers. I go into our office. And I go, here's the thing. And right as I said this, there's a thing says, Lenny's ready. And she goes, oh, I've got this. I'm meeting Lenny right now. I'll take the cassette in. You come with. And then, no, no, no. Lenny Warker, the president of Warner Brothers Music. <laughs> I said, no, this is not. This is not this is not something he's supposed to hear. This is just between you and me. He says, no, 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 he'll like it. It's gonna be great. You're fine. I go in and sit in and Lenny Warren's got this office that has these twin towering speakers left and right behind his his desk. And I sit down and as they're talking about something or other. As he turns around to put the cassette, I look to my right, and there's an eight by ten of George Harrison. I look to my left, there's Prince. I looked over here, there's George Harrison. I'm looking like this Brian Wilson. I'm looking at all these people, and I'm going, "Oh no, I'm in the, I'm in the lair. I, I this is my, what I've wanted all my life. I, this is it." and these crappy crappy songs are going to be. He turns around, he turns around, he plays the first song which is awful. It's an awful song. It's just it's just the structure of it. And he turns it off after the first song and he turns around in his chair and he goes, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that."
2: Oh, <laughs> was that good or bad? Was that bad? That was bad? the
4: last time I met with Lenny. Um,
2: <laughs> damn it. Well, so it's, Brooke, just, it's just yeah.
4: always hey kids out there if you're watching this for any reason, Never play the bad stuff. Never play your demo. Play the finished stuff. Isn't that right,
2: Mary? Is is there stuff that you recorded for this album? Because you said, you know, you worked at SIR for so long. Like, is there there stuff in the can that, like, that you think is worthy of coming out? Like, is, like, kind of out, you know, like... um, Well, Larry and
4: I I worked on an album together that was Larry Saltis' uh, first solo album, and we worked on it to the the extent that I flew to Ohio and recorded in his friend's studio. We recorded about four or five songs. I have the master tape right in that room. I still have the masters, Larry. I don't know what they sound like, but those are... Crap. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, they were. They, 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 they would be. They would be useful. They, I think they might be worthwhile. Yeah. And I've, got other, I've got other. songs that are right from the period that were extra songs that I recorded with uh, Steve Barry, uh who produced Boy Inside the Man and uh, and and. Uh, and there's uh, there's tons. There's a there's a few songs that are out there, but.
2: Well, let's revisit this album because, like I say, I think it holds up. And yeah, I think we're all in agreement that even that, you know, it's perhaps a better artifact to um, of the new monkeys phenomenon than the, sh- the series itself. Phenomenal. So have you ever noticed that um, it's
0: available on streaming? It's finally available.
2: Is it? Oh, oh it's yeah. awesome. I got the vinyl, but it's good to know you can stream it now. Have you ever noticed? I've pointed this out multiple times when that song by Walk the Moon Shut Up and Dance came out. It was like a monster hit about five years ago. That song sounds so much like what I want, like exactly like it. Exactly.
0: Just saying. Just saying. And you know what happens? hmm. Nobody
4: believes you if you say, well, what was your influence? The new monkeys.
2: Do you know if it was? Because Walk the Moon, like they love the 80s.
4: Yeah. If somebody's looking for something that's obscure but has like, uh, you know, on the face of it, nobody knows about it. Hey, let's lift from
2: this
1: right oh, yeah, because it's it's new because no one ever heard of it
2: that actually it's, would be uh, almost punk rock if someone was like so what are your influences And the band was like well the new monkeys that would be actually like <laughs> really cool but i wouldn't blame them because i mean that's a great song but some of the other songs that like for instance my one of my favorite songs on this album is i don't know and it's also one of the best parts of the series because the del rubio triplets are in the <laughs> show with you i don't know how that came about but if you know, the Del Rubio triplets for a moment were definitely like cult heroes of the 80s. Um, and I like Car- uh Charlene, no, Carlene, sorry, I like Carlene a lot. I like Corner of My Eye. Um, what are the songs that stand out to you as being like, if someone doesn't know about the New Monkeys, as Marty just said, a lot of people, uh, as Dino just said, a lot of people don't know, um, like what would be the songs you'd say, check this one out? Here Turn it up. On. Turn it yeah. up. The one you sang lead on. Hmm, okay. <laughs>
5: Don't tell me I'm crazy.
1: Don't tell me I'm wrong. Everybody's invited. So don't make me wait too much. Let the music under. Don't turn it down. Turn it up. Turn it up. You know, Lindy, I'm a little disappointed. That wasn't on your list. Because I was
2: reading the the sequence in um, order, and it's the last track on side B. Yeah. I'm just saying. It barely look.
4: got on. It barely got on. I was saving on.
2: the best for last. But actually, it's was that the only song you sang lead on? Because it was the theme song to the show at the very beginning. It's one of the few things you would lead vocals on, Dino, right?
1: Yeah, that, and that was a mistake. <laughs> no,
4: it wasn't. No, that wasn't at all. They didn't know he could sing, and they gave him a they gave him a song to sing, and he went and did the demo. And the demo came back, and Browner asked me into the stu- end his office, and I said, "What?" He said, "Listen to this." And he goes, "Let the music thunder! And don't turn it down." And I'm listening to this, and I'm going,
2: "Oh!" No.
4: "That's Dino." I go, "That's Dino." He says, "Yeah, he can sing his ass off." You guys, and I, and I went, "Oh," he said, "Yeah." And so it was like there it was. They didn't realize that how good he could sing. And he is a he's got a real bluesy, he's got a Detroit influence kind of bluesy mm-hmm. white guy multiple. He really does. He can really see yeah. it. Did well, you guys did you
0: actually ever play in live shows back in, the back in the 80s? Yeah. We did you got tour? a couple times
3: together in places? Um Martin yeah. was still playing with the wigs during the whole pre-production process. And um I remember <laughs> a couple times when we, we got up there with the wigs and, and that was kind of a weird deal because it was almost like we had stole Warner Brothers had stolen Marty from the wigs but there I mean, was a there was a cool confusion it, between it was, the... it, was, it was a weird it was a little bit of a weird time and then Dino, you and I remember we played we we played down at that rockabilly gig in San Diego you in came the, down yes. north county and we played with my old band yeah. uh and, Me and, yeah, and years, down, like, right? uh, here and there, and then when the show ended, too, Larry and Dino and I used to jam in my garage because I had bought my girlfriend a drum kit, <laughs> she never played it after about a month. So I was like, Dino, I've got a kit for you. And
0: I was always curious if there was like a, a, yeah, a tour taken off. Was there like plans for a tour and for you guys to actually get out there? Or did just before the
3: show out? was over, there was talk of us touring, but that, yeah. That, you know, we were like
4: quickly. a, we were like a bar band, but we just didn't bring our gear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do any kind of like one yeah, live show, yeah, maybe yeah. something for like a premiere party or or to film for a music video? Ever was there ever a time when the New Monkeys, billed as such, did a proper concert, even if it was just like a one-off thing? I'm I'm talking back in the day. I know you've performed together, you know, in multiple times since.
4: Uh, uh, actually, to tell you the honest truth, we didn't have time. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's true. That's in order
4: to do that, we'd have to rehearse for a show. We'd have to get a crew of lighting, this and that PA, get a crew together to do that. We just just it wasn't in our capacity at that time to just go somewhere and jam. It mm-hmm. it wasn't like that. When we jammed, we jammed between the takes of the videos that we were doing. Yeah. And honestly, we did, we, a we lot did of that quite that's a bit. Sure. Remember yeah. when we were playing at the Beverly Theater, we played songs in between. i mean it's like let's let's, as long as we're here let's have a concert
2: well going (laughs) back to this album just to round out that question you know because i was asking about specific tracks the boy you mentioned the boy inside the man which was a tom cochran song and i think that was one of the with marty singing lead and there was also like an acoustic uh video for the the song that was or semi-acoustic in like the warehouse that spun the show that was i think at the time one of the the better received musical moments of the show, one that got a lot of like critically good attention at the time. Can you tell me about the decision to do that song on the show and to do it with that kind of arrangement, which was definitely a little darker and more serious than other songs on the show.
4: Okay. Uh, I was at Warner brothers one day with Roberta walked out of the place and Matt Fassberg had an orange VW beetle convertible. I always knew where he was coming because it was an orange VW Beetle. And I, he drove around and went like this, Marty! And I went, what? You got to get in the car and listen to this song. And I went, okay. Sat, he put in the cassette of Tom Cochran singing Boy Inside the Man. And I listened to it and I went, okay, that's a pretty cool song. since so I want you to do this on the album. So, a, so if you want to trace it back to whoever decided, wanted to do that. It was, it was Matt Fassberg, and that was his de- decision he wanted. Apparently, the producers were vying for cuts on the album and playing them either to Larry or Jared or Dino or I and saying, you guys want to do this one, do this one. I remember, uh, so I decided that I wanted to do Point Side to Man. As a side note to that with, with Roberta Peterson, as I was living in my apartment, she would send me songs via Messenger every single day. And cassettes and cassettes and cassettes. What was really strange, one day I put in the cassette, and it was the wigs doing confection. <laughs> and I called her up and I said, you know, what's with this song? I was going to just play it and see, you know, what's happening. She said, oh, that song, we love it. The songwriter's with us at Warner Brothers right now, but we don't know what, we're, we're up with an agreement. We don't know. Do you think you could do that song? I said, yeah, that's me, Roberta. I <laughs> I think I can. I think I can handle it. You know, so, and w- What was really great about Boy Inside the, Van, uh, the Man was actually insane. going in to record it, and going back in to record, Boy Inside the Man was done with a guy named Tony Peluso and Steve Berries. Tony Peluso, first of all, was the guy that was a guitar player with the Carpenters, and I, mm-hmm. loved, I loved the vocals of the Carpenters. He never got really to play, he's only like one song where he's got a lead, but t- it's like being the guitar player for a, an organ-based band, but but Steve Barry was the guy that was P.F. Sloan's partner and created uh, created so many great, written uh, so many great songs. If you look up P.F. Sloan and Steve Barry, you'll go, oh, my God, they wrote those songs. And this guy I knew of, and I'm going, oh, boy, it's Steve Barry. I walked in and did the uh, vocal and I sang, uh, you know,
1: I dreamed, uh,
4: he sang the song. And I said, OK, well, all right. He said, I think that's good. And he looked, and Tony Paluska looked at me and said, "What? A, what a fucking one take wonder you are, man! Who are you?" And I went, "Are you serious?" this "Yeah, that's it. I think that there's nothing else to do." So, I was experiencing this time I was going to spend with these two guys. <laughs> I walked in, and they said, "That's good, thank you." And I went and left. And I sure. think the legend of the song was that it was a one take thing, and that's probably my, one of my biggest most proudful moments of my career is that I was able to go in under that auspices after doing a whole TV show all day long, going in at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock exhausted and singing that song in one take. I I, I, I know right now that I'd be uh, I'd be in the hospital for a week if I did the same thing.
2: I'm looking at some of the writing credits on here. John yeah. Parr, is that the St. Elmo's yeah. fire, John Parr? Yeah. 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 A man in motion himself?
4: There's yep. a lot of those on that. There's a lot of guys. There's the Tower Power horns on those, which were on uh, Dino's song, and there's uh, there's uh, uh, a guy from the band on there. There's, it's just it's an incredible Fred Tackett's the harmonic uh, the the
1: uh, the mandolin player. If you take Dan a look Huff,
2: those... Dan Huff, oh, yeah, big
1: time, yeah. yeah, Oh, Wow, you know what we we kind of skimmed over. John was gonna do this this awesome little bit about the album being released. I kind of want to hear that. Oh, okay. It,
0: it's finally on streaming services and uh, it's available digitally as well if you want to download it, if you're still doing that. But uh, there, there was a, a long time coming and we're still trying to work on some other stuff with uh, the TV show um, problem. It's okay,
1: that doesn't matter. The album is what counts. I don't care about the show so much, but those yeah. videos,
4: you've got 33 separate presentations. And that's what's
2: uh, in the masters. It will be a visual album, like Beyonce's Lemonade. (laughs) Just like that. Just like that. That's
1: that's, that's what was always the true part of the show is, for me, were all the little short films and the little vignettes that we did. uh, Those were, you know, I, I think those were actually the really great part of the show.
2: Um, yeah, but, well, yeah. well, to put a, to, to, to sort of pull, bring it full circle and end this, what is each of you, your um, your favorite memory of working on this show? It could be something that happened in the studio while working on the record, or it could be an on-set memory, or it could be a memory that happened in the hotel room when you were, or at SIR. What's your, like, one, uh, we'll go around, whoever wants to go first, what's, like, your one, like, me- fondest memory or craziest memory of being a new monkey? one of the funnest
3: times um i just remember um that gig at when we when we shot the live stuff at the beverly um it was just kind of there was a uh, we had a silliness because we were just also happy to be there sort of that t- time frame and then i think not long after that we were doing the video the really cool black and white one for car Lane, and like I really felt like we were solid as a group, you know. Like we were definitely firing on all cylinders, and that—that that was a
5: cool feeling. I think mm-hmm. that's my kind of standout. For me, the thing—it's—it's it's twofold. One of which I remember the memory I had was being an acting the, the courses we used to take with Bill Hudnut, and, <laughs> really, and I'm, I'm not an actor. I'm still not an actor. I'm terrible. So when I was in the room with these guys, though, it was—I knew right then—and I was in trouble. Because it had to be, I played catch up the entire time. Not only with that, the other memory of being in, a, in the musical uh, realm with, with all the guys, I, I di- never felt like I could ever catch up. So I knew right then and there, you're either going to try to catch up or you're going to get lost. It, it wasn't about being a heartthrob or anything like that. But the best memory about this, the show was you better bust your ass or you're not even going to make a mark. Because the guys you're with, you're never going to catch up, to. Uh, and and the wit and the, the, the these guys are all very smart guys. The, the, to be witty, you got to be smart, <laughs> and they're all very intelligent guys who can on a dime throw out a thought, and not that they're trying to be funny, but it just is because it's so smart. Um, so when it comes to the the, the 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 album, my favorite songs are ones that Marty sang. And I think it's because I knew I, I had to meet that mark. If I if I wanted to look at the show on the whole, and look at what the show was about, it had to be about the other guys. I wanted to be like them. And that's that's yeah. honestly my favorite memory of all of it was knowing that I had that mark to hit, never would get it. Now now that I'm older and I can be doing something like this with these guys and we get together, still haven't hit the mark, but, but we're family. So mm. I'm like the, the misfit. The the, you know the black sheep that one day is going to catch up if I'm allowed to so it's 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 a great deal.
2: Aw, that's a really nice. That's going to be tough to top. But Dino is wiping his eye. Dino is in tears. (laughs) Dino, Marty, what are your fondest or craziest or funniest or just in general standout moment of of the past uh, of of your new monkeys experience?
1: We were recording "Turn It Up," and and the monkeys were at the same studio in the room next door. And we were taking a break. And I remember all of us walking in a line to go out outside. Um, it was for a cigarette break, but I didn't smoke. So I wanted to go and hang out with man. But as we were walking out, and, and this is a regret actually as well. It's memorable and it's a regret. Because as we were walking out, I remember Mickey and Peter were standing there in in the um, it's like it was like a hallway type thing. And as we were walking out, and I was jazz, you know, because I was you know it was I'm singing the song. I just remember being hyped because um, I don't think I was doing drugs at that uh, anyway. So I was hyped, and <laughs> as, as I was walking past. I actually poked Peter in the stomach and I went and I kept walking and I remember him looking down at his stomach and kind of like, you know, what the fuck? You know, what was that? Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, at the time, you know, I, I didn't think I was being a smart, I, I don't know what it was. It was just a moment in time. But then I thought to myself, why, you know, I mean, our producers knew they had to have known because you know, I I remember them being at that studio. They had to have known that the monkeys were not. Why wasn't there like a you know like hey you guys this is this is, you know like I introduction
2: was, to like move
1: the air exactly. Instead, mm-hmm. I was a twenty year old smartass who poked him in the stomach and did a Pillsbury Doughboy laugh, you know, and you know, and so that was a you know it was. I'm not, I don't make, you know, I'm not apologizing. It is what it was and Mm -hmm. that's what it was, but why wasn't that, you know, why they weren't smart enough to actually, they were keeping you
2: apart when a lot of the bad blood, which thankfully is behind you guys now could have been avoided in the first place. But um, so Marty, let's end with you. What was your (laughs) moment good or bad, crazy or funny touching or weird that, stands out to you when we uh, when you look back on this crazy journey. It's the,
1: <laughs> new, it's the new monkeys.
4: <laughs> I'm for crying out loud. It's the freaking new monkeys. Uh you know, I I came out to Los Angeles to to be signed. I got signed and I ended up in this thing with a TV show I worked for three or four years out in LA got signed to the CBS songs. I was the writers, this and that playing in a band that could draw anywhere. The wigs were doing really well. We were, did a movie. We did all, You know, we, we were, we were doing okay. We were, we were kind of on our way. And then this show is kind of like, uh, I thought, I thought, well, what the hell? I, I was asked if I wanted to do this. And I said, no. And they gave me the job. And it was the same thing as, as, as Jared. What, the the whole experience. I mean, there's an experience that when we were playing at the Beverly theater, Birch Snyder was in the freaking lobby, scoping out the teenage girls coming off the bus. <laughs> and there was, yeah. there, there's Bob Rafelson directing us with Kylie as the star attraction, which was D- Larry's dog. I mean, and those are, there's these moments that are there that are like really like legitimate things. And then then there's these moments where I just feel just a sense of, wow, this is how the business works. I got so much crap in my bedroom from so many different places, Gibson, Fender, Takamini, Washburn, so all this stuff. And the week the show gets canceled, the guy that I helped bring out to Milwaukee and hired and get him a job, had to come and get the gear from us so they could auction it off. And they didn't tell any of the four of us about any of the gear. And the stuff ends up at other guys' houses that worked for the show. Our gear. Stuff, I mean, we're talking about Larry's personal guitar was auctioned off. So, <laughs> but there you're sitting there and you're going, "Wow, well, that's what the machine is like. It, the switch was on. And then after that, it was off. I found out about getting, I guess the biggest thing that was for the whole show for me, was finding out from a limo ride that the show had got canceled, and that the limo ride wasn't mine to pay for, wasn't the company's to pay for, and I got dropped off in front of the federal building with my suitcase and got to hit a cab for the rest of the way home. That's how Holy I. Holy
2: cow! That is like something out of a
4: or, TV show, or, or that doesn't or seem getting, like real. Or getting a Christmas basket with Dom Pérignon. I was the only guy that was old enough to drink. So I got a bottle of gum carrying on in a cheese basket from Warner Brothers for Christmas. And then I got my first paycheck and it was deducted. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: It was recoupable.
0: That is a recoupable expense. I'm sorry, Marty.
2: You know the the voice oh, the, right. the record you, you, executive you, you, speaks. Yeah, the record the
0: records the, record, the
4: record guy is going to sit there. And sing it.
2: Well, obviously <laughs> it was it was the worst of times. It was the best of times, and it was. No, I'm going to tell you, but I'll 80s. give you one
4: more. I'll give you one more. That's the best okay. time. And The best okay. time. And that's, because all of that stuff is just the business. The best mm-hmm. time was right now, because the best time is that I'm still hanging with these guys. We're still like together. We are the only four that know what it's like to be one of the new monkeys and also to be branded as a monkey by Rafelson, Schneider and Blauder. We're the only ones that know mm-hmm. what that kind of thing is. We escaped the success. We escaped the notoriety. We, we are the only ones that really just it didn't work for the, for the world, but it works for us. I got to have three really great friends. So right and now, this is what that's what it is.
0: To follow that up, I want to remind everybody that the new monkeys album is available on all streaming services and iTunes and wherever you can listen to music. I check it out. It is a yes. really good record. There's, and so if you have not been exposed to this music, you really need to.
2: And yeah. I think that the the chemistry that we hear on this record that, you know, even if it was an imperfect experience that we definitely saw on the screen during those 13 episodes, we can see it here on the screen on my computer right now. So it was really, really fun to hang with you. I'm looking forward to whatever you guys do in the future. The fun is back. The fun never left. The fun never left. Turn it up. Turn up this podcast. So thank you, Dino, Jared, Marty, and Larry. And of course, thank you, John Hughes. I'm Lindsay Parker. I've been joined by this fabulous cast today. We want to thank everybody for listening. Remember to give us a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll catch you next time. Turn it up.
3: Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Lindsay.
1: Thanks,
2: Jeff. This with totally 80s the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram at totally 80s and please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform until our next episode catch you on the flip side